text for the sermon this day is taken from all of the readings you've heard. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As human beings, we tend to be people that like ritual. We like traditions. We like doing various things to help honor holidays or events. Think, for example, first day of baseball when it's, is that today? Or is it coming? I don't, very soon. It's either today or tomorrow. Anyways, first day of opening day of baseball, very soon. If you watch that, the game starts. Before the game ever starts, there's, they do the lineup. You see people warming up. There's a lot of times a ceremonial first pitch. Somebody sings uh, the national anthem. And I don't know if it's still a tradition during the seventh inning stretch, they sing God Bless America. Or same thing, same thing with football, basketball. All again, they have their rituals. In football, when the game be, before the game begins, the teams run out onto the field. Somebody might be carrying a flag or something like that. Someone leads the charge. And then they do the lineups and say, up at playing quarterback or whatever, and they mull the names. They tell you who the referees are. And again, you sing the national anthem. You play the game. At halftime, there's entertainment. Or how about in about a month and a half, for some people, will be graduation. Whole bunch of traditions that go with that. You got the cap, you got the gown. And you're going to hear pomp and circumstance, that song. And you'll hear speeches and all type of things. Or how about when a president is sworn into office? Whole bunch of ritual that goes with that. We are a people that like ritual. And frankly, it can be very helpful. It's a way to give a sense of reverence to whatever the activity is, whatever the thing is. It's also a way of teaching. These rituals end up teaching us something about the thing that you're practicing. So for example, the people of Israel, they partook of a festival that was known as the Festival of Booths, or the Feast of Tabernacles. And this was a feast, and the purpose of it was to remember the time when they were wandering in the wilderness. For you see, God, for the people of Israel, spent several hundred years in slavery. They're enslaved by the people by in Egypt. And so when they were set free by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm of our God, they wandered for 40 years. Of course, not everyone made it. In fact, the first generation did not make it at all. They died because. But that was part of God's judgment against them. They're disobedient. They're rebellious. As a consequence, they did not enter into the land flowing with milk and honey as was promised. And so the tradition, the practice became because they spent time in tents and they're traveling from place to place, they would have palm branches. 
They'd gather them up, and that would be part of their celebration. They remember first, it was an act of repentance to remind them of their rebellion. But at the same time, it is also a reminder of God's faithfulness. God cared for them in the wilderness. He gave them food, bread from the, literally, I mean, it just came down from the sky called manna. They had meat, they had water that came, literally came out of a rock. And so incredible wonders to care for them, to make sure they are kept alive. He led them through battles against armies that were definitely mightier than they were. And so they remember. We are in the season of Lent. A season that is filled with its own traditions, its own rituals, its own practices, all designed to teach something. Ash Wednesday, we gathered in this sanctuary. And you came, well, some of you, because weather was bad, but for those who made it through the weather, you came to the front and you received the ash on the forehead in the shape of a cross, and you heard, remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And then this past Sunday was Passion Sunday. And so after the gospel lesson was read, which ended with the, the plotting of the Jewish leaders, the plotting and scheming to order the execution and crucifixion of Jesus, it was after that that the crosses were veiled. The light on the large cross was shut off, symbolizing that our God, that Jesus, who is God, very God of very God, begotten not made, emptied himself, set aside his glory in order to be crucified, in order to die and to be buried. This coming Sunday is Palm Sunday. Remembering Jesus riding into Jerusalem. And the crowd saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the son of David. Next Thursday, a week from tomorrow, we'll gather here again, Monday, Thursday, which by the way, we also have chapel services, Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, because every day of Holy Week is a celebration. So we will meet there 1215 to 1235 on each of those days. But on Monday, Thursday, we'll gather and you'll start with no music. You'll start right away with an address. And you'll hear it'll be a, a trimmed down service, not as much as you normally have with a communion liturgy. But no, most notably, at the end of the service, the altar is stripped. This cloth removed, all this fabric removed, the candles, the, the altar book removed, and you'll just see the wood. The day after, Good Friday, and you will hear the, the Passion 
according to the Gospel of John. You'll hear, it is finished. And by the end of the service, the church will progressively become darker and darker as lights get slowly are turned off, the candles gradually extinguished until you only have one, rock, one candle lit. You come again on, on, good, on the Easter Vigil, Holy Saturday, 5 o'clock, and the church will be dark, still dark from Good Friday. And progressively, it will get brighter and brighter. Starting with Genesis 1, where you hear about God's creation. And then you hear of God's deliverance of his people through the Old Testament. Whether that be delivering the people of Israel at the Red Sea. Or delivering the three men in the fiery furnace. And then you hear about the resurrection. And that word that we packaged away back in transfiguration breaks forth. And the bells begin to ring like they haven't done for months. All these traditions, all these practices, they are designed to teach. To design to remind us first of what Jesus has done. And also to prepare us for the reality. You are dust, and to dust you will return. The entire focus of the season of Lent is to prepare you to die. That's what the season is. It's a rehearsal. Getting ready for your own death. Preparing your hearts and minds. That's why the first half of the season is all about repentance. Focusing on why death exists in the first place. Without sin, there would be no death. But as there is, we live in a sinful, fallen, broken world. And all anyone has to do is go through the commandments and they can see them all. Because we live in this fallen world, death is your destination. It is the consequence of sin. The second half of the season, Passion Tide, which we started on Sunday, we focus upon our Lord's death. We look at how he died and how he rose. See, on Palm Sunday, they cheer Hosanna to the son of David. But on Monday, Thursday, you're going to see this all stripped. And after it is stripped, you hear Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus spoke those words from the cross. Because when Jesus was on the cross, he was abandoned by his government, who ordered his execution. He was abandoned by the religious leaders because they were the ones that hollered, crucify him, crucify him. He was abandoned by his friends. And even on the cross, as he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was abandoned by God the Father. And the thing is, is this cross that you hear, it is a reminder that Jesus could have stopped this at any time. 
He could have stopped his crucifixion. He said, you know what? I just don't feel like it. And he could have walked away just fine. He could have called upon a legion of angels to his defense because he is the king of kings and lord of lords. And he didn't. He emptied himself. He became nothing. And he was perfectly obedient to death, even death on a cross. So he was stripped and he was removed of everything. He was abandoned by everyone on the cross so that in your hour of death, you would not be alone. Just think about it. When we face that day of death, you don't get to take any person with you. You don't get to take your clothes with you. You don't get to take your possessions with you. Your friends cannot experience death at the same point in the same way as you do. Not even your closest family. But you see, Jesus was abandoned on the cross so that you would not be completely alone in death. You would be with the creator of the universe. You would be with God in your hour of death. And there is no one stronger than him, for he is the one who overcame death. See, that's what that stripped altar will be reminding you of. That yes, you will leave this world with nothing, but you will have Jesus, which is far more than anything in this world can provide you. Good Friday, when you see everything is black and all that is lit is that one candle. It's to remind you that Jesus, his death was not permanent. He rose from the grave on that third day. And so also we, when we taste death, death for you is not permanent either. The candle that is lit is the same candle that is lit whenever you are baptized. When you receive your little baptism candle, it is lit from that candle. That same light, reminding you that you have the light of Christ, the light of the one who, though he died by crucifixion, he rose victoriously from the grave. In your baptism, you received that same light, that same life, so that in the hour of your death, you too can know that your death is but a slumber. It is temporary, and you shall rise on the last day. And that is what Easter is all about. When you get to Easter, is that death did not hold him down. He physically rose from the dead. His hair was matted up from the wet. He wasn't covered in blood. His body was glorified. So also when you rise up, you're not going to rise up with you're not going to have any wrinkles. You're not going to have arthritis. You're not going to need to have glasses. And I took that off. I was blind. You know, I don't have that issue. You will be restored. You will be a glorified body as exactly as God wants you and designs you to be. On Good Friday, this is why it's so appropriate. 
as we hear through the Gospel of John on the account of the crucifixion, traditionally the hymn that is sung is, O Sacred Head Now Wounded. The seventh verse is such a fitting description of the whole purpose of the Lenten season, why we gather for Good Friday. He says, verse 7, and this is Bernard of Clairvaux, be thou my consolation, my shield when I must die. Remind me of your passion when my last hour draws nigh. Mine eyes shall then behold thee, upon thy cross shall dwell. My heart by faith unfold thee, who dieth thus dies well. We look upon our Lord as how he died and how he rises. And he is our shepherd. He is our rabbi. We are his disciple. We are his followers. And yes, that means we follow him even to his type of death. And we follow him to his type of resurrection. Because you see, palm branches are not just on Palm Sunday. They were not just for the table of boot, the feast of booths. Did you hear it in Revelation 7? The people robed in white, what are they holding? Palm branches in their hands. And they're not cheering on Jesus as he's riding in on a donkey to be crucified. No, they're looking on their lamb who was slain. Not who is to be slain, but who was, who is slain. They look on him, the victorious king. And they wave the palm branches of victory, because that's what it was. These were waved for a victorious king. Jesus is the victorious king. He conquered death. He conquered sin. And therefore there is no hunger, thirst, no scorching heat. For the Lamb is on his throne in the midst of his people. He shelters us with his presence. Till that day comes, may we keep our eyes in hope. In the greatest days of joy, in the greatest days of sorrow, may we ever look on with hope and joy our crucified and risen Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep in one true faith to life everlasting. Amen. At this time, we continue with our offering, and while the offering is collected, we sing hymn 441. <laughs>